Hello and welcome to This Sacred Life. I'm Shan Vanderlee, Transformation Goddess and founder of TransformationGoddess.com. I love guiding women through an intimate exploration of self-study, compassionate self-care, and sacred feminine ritual. I also love to share transformational conversations with women who have learned to walk in beauty with the strength, courage, and pleasure of reclaiming their feminine sovereignty. Women all over the world are rising up to have their voices heard, and I invite you to join us in the conversation. If you like what you hear, please share some stars and a favorable review wherever you listen in. Today, it's my pleasure and honor to introduce you to Shiloh Sophia. Shiloh lives life as a great adventure narrated by the creative fire of her muse. She has dedicated her life to the belief that self-expression is a basic human right and shares her message with thousands around the world through her paintings, poetry, and teachings. This goddess shines. Hello, Shiloh. Welcome to The Sacred Life. Oh, thank you, Shan. I'm so excited to be here with all of you. It is such a such a pleasure. I have been following your work for a number of years, and I remember the first painting that I found online, or you know, it was a promotion or something that you were doing many many moons ago, and I just fell in love with this piece of art and wanted to know, like, who did this? <laughs> Where did this come from? What is this style? And uh, and then found myself months later uh, enrolled in a online painting course with. Javi, and painted my very first goddess. And it was life-changing. And so I wanted to just share that with you before we got started today. I love that. What changed for you? Like when you created that image of her for yourself, what was the shift? The shift was this invitation for me to step into my power in a way that kind of frightened me before. One of the things that you and I have in common is I have very big energy mm-hmm. and I can, I can fill my home and the, the, you know, this entire block that I live on and the community, I can get really, really big. <laughs> and, for, and for lots and lots of years, that made people uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. so I learned how to make myself smaller to make other people more comfortable. And this piece reminded me of that one in me that refuses to remain small any any longer. Oh, beautiful. I love that. So it's it's like an icon or an image, a sacred image that holds that. Yes, that she pattern. actually she actually became my shield through a changing woman initiation many many years ago. We were asked to make a shield and that's and that's who she was and who and who she still is and just really, really powerful, powerful medicine. It is. It is. That's what we think of it as, as medicine painting. Mm-hmm. Without question. So it's, I've got a, just a giant smile on my face. Mm-hmm. It's such, Me a, too. Such, a, <laughs> such a big change. Every time I interview people on The Sacred Life, I get still, light a candle, do some clearing, and then I pull a goddess card message just to kind of represent the energy of our conversation. And today I chose the Sacred Rebels Oracle deck by Alana Fairchild and Autumn Sky Morrison is the artist. And I just had a belly laugh when (laughs) (laughs) collaborative dreaming. Ah. 
is the card that came forward. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course, of course, collaborative. Of course, this is the card because you do so much in collaboration with others. I have never seen somebody who partners with so many other fantastic creators the way that you do. And, and so here, here this is reminding us that our hearts are big enough to dream not only for ourselves, but for a new humanity and imagining a world that is healed with respect, understanding, and with community that fosters life. And that that's you. Mm. That's, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I feel so grateful to be surrounded by so many potent women with prowess that we come together and the magic weaves and what gets created is something that is so unique to that space and that time. And especially for me living and growing up in Northern California, being exposed to visionary, legendary artists, painters, poets from the time I was a child, being in the company of women is my joy. And it shines through so brightly. It just, it's a perfect match to your generous, inclusive collaborative energy for sure. I guess I'd like to ask you why you think that card rose to the top today. (laughs) Well, it's very much part of the inquiry that I'm in right now about what is it that has someone be so focused on elements of collaboration or community. Like if I look at my now 27-year career, there's been a real inward focus on the development of community and of women being a part of something, feeling a sense of what we call the the feeling of already belonging, that you don't have to prove yourself. You just step in. And if you're here, you're in the right place. You're connected to our red thread. And so that idea is something that kind of comes through you. It's something that I don't have a lot of control over. It's some. It's a powerful force from the divine somewhere that has those of us who are available to the energy say yes to service at this level. Uh, Service at this level is more like stewardship and it's not glamorous on one hand. On the other hand, it's the most wonderful thing (laughs) that I could imagine creating. So while I haven't focused on outward success and fame and all of these outward things about here I am and here's my work and I'm a writer and a painter. I haven't done that whole outward brand thing where it's about me driving it. It's been so much about who we are as a community culture. What is our ethos? What are our stands? How are we different than other communities just so that we can navigate who we are, where we are, who's called here, what's distinct about it, what need are we filling and so it's as if I'm continually turning inward to the circle, toward the circle, but the circles around me are rippling out. So I keep looking in at the center, but the circles around just keep going out larger and larger around me. Right. And, and then it also lifts you up in a way so that you, you become more visible, um, whether that's your you know, intention or not, but then you become the magnet that draws in, uh, you know, along with the women that you collaborate with, that draws in exactly who's meant to be in circle with you at that given time. Right. That's such a different way of working, right? Such a feminine 
sacred way of working where when you put your focus on the greatest love that you have to give, there's a hope that exponentially you'll be supported by the community in some way. And so that naturally does happen uh, that people discover about who we are and what we're doing because of the energy of the circles that get created that have intention and integrity woven through the very fabric. Right. You say that self-expression is a basic human right. I'd like to talk about that and also how creativity is a tool for transformation and revelation. Yeah, I, I do work at the United Nations for the Commission on the Status of Women where we go and we bring our work of intentional creativity and the teachings of the way of the red thread so that we provide this curriculum to those who are serving others. And through that journey, which we've been going almost every year since 2013, the question of how is this relevant to the greater whole? Like how does creativity actually stand up to things like hunger and housing, right? Yeah, right, sure. Um, And sometimes I'm pressed by, you know, other educators and mentors who are like, well, you should be covering this topic or, you know, they need food, they don't need art supplies. And it's like, what, what goes in front of what? And I really had to come down to a core um, understanding within myself that is shared by pe- people in our community, but not by everyone. It's certainly a very personal view, which is that if we don't have the right to know and speak our mind and heart, then we won't know how to navigate even things like food, shelter, water, when we don't know who we are and what we're thinking, if we haven't found our voice. And so self-expression seems like the first thing Mm -hmm. that one needs attending to in order to then organize or mobilize or ask for what's needed or tell stories in hard times. And if we don't know who we are, then we're overtaken by the traumas and the tragedies in the world. We are anyway. But if we don't have any way to navigate within that framework to make a story out of how this is happening or how we could relate to it or how we could serve others who are also in the struggle, then our capacity to really mobilize change beyond our own circumstance is, I feel, limited. So the access to the voice that is within each person, what we call the voice of the soul, is the basic human right, the, the, the right to speak, but the right to know what you wish to speak, even more fundamental than speaking itself. Like, mm. what is it that you have to say? And upholding that as a basic human right. What's fascinating about children is that as soon as children start to speak, they start to say no. They start to say, I want this. I don't want that. I like this. I don't like that. I want to go over here. I don't want to go over here. I like that person. I don't like that person. That voice of the soul comes in into the innocent child of preference, of desire, of where and what and who and how and how I feel. And it's so physical how the child feels. And so the fact that as time goes on, we lose our capacity to be able to hear ourselves say, I like that, I don't, I feel safe, I don't, I'm hungry, I'm not. We lose that deepest connection with the sort of gut knowing. Mm -hmm. So for me, self-expression as the basic human right is that return to knowing what we think, feel, see, hear, and how to then respond appropriately, authentic to our own experience. That's beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then the second part to that is 
how you see creativity as a tool for transformation and yeah. revelation in the, in the right. you know, other circles in the, the work that you're doing all over the place. I mean, you have so many cool things going on. Thank you. Creativity is the way that you get access to the voice of the soul. That's the access. That's the way to get in. And so if someone doesn't know what their voice is or if they've lost the trail to the inner world or people are living lives that they experience as fragmented, like who they're being out in the world is not, does not match who they are inside, but they haven't been practicing who they are inside. So how can they create a life that matches that? Because they don't even know what that is because they haven't had practice for that in so long. That's how we make so many decisions that are inconsistent with our internal reality. Creativity is, I believe, the single fastest, most efficient and honest tool to get to that interior soul voice and begin to listen to it. That is what makes it so healing and transformational is that the individual gains access to an interior domain that thinking does not give access to. It also engages many facets of the human being. So it engages the imagination, the somatics of the individual, the energy field. So when you create, whether that's dancing, painting, singing, gardening, beading, potting, whatever it is that you're cooking, whatever you're creating, what we're doing right now is whatever the medium is. If you can ask a question like, what's happening here? What is being revealed? Or how am I thinking? Or how am I feeling? Or what is this you know, calling forth? Or is there a hidden message? If we can be in inquiry while we're engaged in a form-based activity, meaning not mental, meaning the body mm-hmm. in some way, then information begins to be revealed to us. It's so basic and so simple, yet we have lost the thread to that. And saying it just makes me want to cry because it's just we're dealing with people around the world who have lost the thread to how they truly, who they truly are. Right. And yet where, if they even found that voice or that being, how could they be safe enough to express it inside of uh, work and family and community? Because we're often so framed by those structures. And so the opportunity to experiment with others is very limited if we haven't been being who we are. Right. But once you start creating the painting or whatever the medium is, that becomes the outlet for that expression. And then you can also witness it. And I think that's part of why painting is one of our primary tools for this, is that the painting becomes the external-based reflection of an interior experience where you yes, become the yes, witness yes. and observer. Yes, without question. Yeah. But you were As I was listening to you, I was thinking about how many times I've heard somebody say, well, I'm just not creative. Right. <laughs> or I'm not an artist yeah. or all of the, all of these things. And I just, it, and it's just so puzzling because it's just simply not true. It's right. something that's, that has been shoved down or hidden away or uh, what, whatever happened to make somebody feel that way. And, and I'll go back to talking about my, my first experience painting again as an adult and how one of the things that surprised me the most was how easy it was for me to just enjoy it, to Mm. just be in the flow of it, really without any expectations of wanting it to be air quotes perfect or, you know, just following the flow, following the direction, and then letting it be, letting it become, letting her become who, who she is. And 
that wasn't a regular thing for me to experience, Shiloh. I, I would want to control more. I, I, I admit that. <laughs> <laughs> and that first painting led to another and another and another where I could just, I think I'd like to paint this and see what happens and not feel bound by it or feel anything other than free mm-hmm. in, in whatever it was I was trying to do. I love that. Yeah. It gives that experience of freedom that very few other things do at that level. And at the same time, the desire to control it. Sorry, my cats are part of the podcast because they're racing around. (laughs) That's all right. I I have two cats as well. Yeah. So that whole thing of wanting to be able to control. And what's so awesome about painting is that because most of us don't have natural skill, quote, skill with painting, you can't control it. And if you do become miserable... And you lose the flow and the fun. And so a big part of our work is that intuitive painting process where you're just going to bring the brush and see what happens. I've been experimenting. There's a word. That is a great word. uh, With the idea of how really shamanic it is to journey with the canvas as a kind of a drum. And we actually do drum onto our actual canvas and put our ear to the canvas and listen. And then how brave it is to bring the, the brush to the canvas without an expectation, intention for yeah. discovery. Yes. Yeah, yes, yes. And yes, then yes. to not dominate it. It's, I, feel, I feel pretty high. I mean, I feel like it's as far as we can go without actual drugs right. to be in mind-altering space. And I love that we can go what I call the qui- to the quivering edge without supplements, you know? Yeah, I do. I do know. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, you strike me as a woman who is embodying your feminine sovereignty. Mm. I'd like to know a little bit more about what led you to this place of, of grace and, and creativity and spaciousness. I, I know a little of your story because mm-hmm. I've been interested over the years, but some mm-hmm. people in our circle maybe don't know you. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to share. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I feel like I had just an extraordinary opportunity to be with powerful women from an early age. My mom, Karen McLeod, who was a poet and an artist, and my other mother and teacher, Sue Hoya Sellers, who was a painter. And they really surrounded me with creativity and permission to create and to not have it be great. It wasn't like what I made, they gave me tons of praise for it. It was just creating to create. So I had a good beginning. But what's been interesting is that I really did go through all of the same struggles as any teenage girl in a harsh world. And I'm, I'm um, sort of text pals with about three, three different teenage girls right now who send me stuff that they're going through. And I try to figure out, you know, wonderful ways to respond back that are authentic and keep them going. And it's so strange because they'll send me messages and it's exactly the same kind of things that I went through as a teenage girl. So I never escaped any of those hardships. But what I did have as unique and different is I had creativity as an outlet. So I started writing poetry and painting and I decided to become an eccentric and I started calling myself an artist. So I positioned myself as an outcast. So I would say that my entrance into sovereignty was a rebellion against the cruelty of 
teenagers mm-hmm. <laughs> and just wanting to completely unidentify myself with how popular culture was arising and to just become unacceptable, to just become an absolute rogue character. And then I ended up inviting other outcasts to join me. You know, <laughs> young, you know, young boy who, who I knew was gay, who had never heard of that before, or the awkward punk teenager, or the, you know, the one who hangs their hair in their face, or the one who has the totally weird family, or whatever. Yes. It's just every form of outcast would norm, that would normally be separated in a school. Uh, I tried to call them together. So I think that was my first circle was the circle of outcasts. And then I received support from my family to develop who I was without apology. I also had some extraordinary other things. Like I learned martial arts when I was really young. I was exposed to a lot of adult female content. My family hid victims of rape and violence in our home. Everybody was entrepreneurs, so we were taking care of people and providing jobs. We were doing a lot of things that let me see how women could be with each other. And so my call to, I think my earliest call was really to end the experience of isolation because I felt that the feeling that one was alone or separate was the thing which created more separation and isolation. So I think I've been doing that you know, pretty much all this time is this invitation to not feel alone. In our community, we call it tugging on the red thread. It's a quantum idea that no matter where you are in the world, if you tug on this invisible red thread, which is between all of us, that there'll be others tugging back. And that's really the basis of that our community is built on is that we're right here with you. Yeah. So, so beautiful. I uh, am the very proud mother of an artist, outcast anarchist. <laughs> and um, she just turned 19. Oh, yes. And oh my goodness, I don't know where she's going to go, but I can't wait to see what happens. I bet. And have, have you just, painted with her? She painting is the only, and it might be because I like it. She <laughs> <laughs> doesn't want to do it. <laughs> She has no interest oh my in painting. Gosh, right. She draws. She does digital art. She's, mm-hmm. she's that person who you just go, what? Mm-hmm. You know, where did that come from? And I would love to paint with her someday. And I've had an easel set up and my stuff set up. And I've invited her. Oh, I don't really feel like painting. <laughs> uh, it's been an honor to watch her drop her boundaries down. And, and, and she is the one that would create a circle for outcasts and has and has done so online in a way that I find really interesting with, with other artists and other people. And so mm-hmm. as I was listening to you, I was like, oh my gosh, Marin and Shiloh would get along famously. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, I am really grateful for the work that you're doing and making that red thread available the way that you do and all that's behind it. There's so much behind the red thread. They're true. Yes. And he, you know, I know like right now on my on one of my altars in the West is red thread. And I'll look at it and just looking at it. Or my friend Ananga, who is my co-host with Anxiety Slayer, she lives in the UK. 
and she sent me some string that was made out of old saris mm. and, and, and it's red silk. Yes. And it's, and it's spun, you know, it's hand, it falls mm. apart and whatever. And I've been wearing one on my wrist now for years. And then when it falls apart, I get another one. And it's like, <laughs> anyway, I won't continue, but, but I get it and I'm grateful for it. Well, I love hearing about your daughter and you're just encouraging me because, you know, we have this class that is created by our community, Cosmic Cowgirls, and the class is called Legend. And it's our basic core curriculum where you become your own archetype. And it's very imaginative, very badass, and very playful. And as I've been working with these teenage girls, I'm just like, oh, I really need to do a legend for teenage girls. Like I just have to do it because if they could see themselves sooner with this painting, I think it would make a difference. Oh, without question. So let's switch gears a little bit. I would like you to share how you relate to your body, sexuality, and power. Mm -hmm. Well, to my body, my body I think of as a vessel that energy moves in and from and through. And I think of myself, you know, as my physical body, but my body is within my soul and then my energy body as well. So I really think of myself as like this one with my energy system being just as much a part of me as my physical system. And so having that awareness of my sort of larger than life self (laughs) has been a a wonderful framework for moving through the world, especially being a bigger woman, uh, agreeing with myself to just take up space, take up my space and learning how to be not an apology for that. And so I'm grateful to have an awesomely supportive relationship with my body and enjoyed incredible energy and health. And I feel like from a sexuality perspective, I'm just getting started. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, My most sensual life is happening right now at 49 years old. I think I just didn't know enough before about what was possible. And so now I talk to a lot of (laughs) women, um, young, old, and in between about, wait a minute, I think we're missing some things. And Meanwhile, you know, the sexual revolution, but we really needed some more details about how our body works from a sensual and sexual perspective. So sexually, I'm, I am at my peak right now. Right on. Yeah. What was the other one? I got all distracted about the body. <laughs> I got all flustered. <laughs> <laughs> how you relate to your body, your sexuality, and your okay. power. And my power. I just feel powerful in my life. I just feel capable of I'm I'm a very capable person. I usually do what I set my mind out to do. I have tons of energy and vision and ideas and so personal power is something that I've carried mo- most of my life. And again, that doesn't mean that I didn't end up going through the same troubles and the heartbreaks. And grief even doesn't move more quickly and heartbreak doesn't move more quickly. But I would think the difference of feeling a woman of power from my 20s is that I don't lose myself inside of the dramas and traumas. Years don't go by or months don't go by where I'm not being who I am. So I think my greatest power rests in I've been who I am since my 20s and I haven't wavered off of that. That doesn't mean I'm enlightened. It just means the amount of awakening allowable 
for my body and soul at this stage in my evolution, I am. Yeah, I'm at the very edge of my known capacity. So I'm inhabiting everything that is available for me at this time. And that's part of what I share with others. And I do think that I have some uncommon gifts based on my upbringing. So I don't ever try to say, here's what I'm doing, do what I'm doing, because I don't think that actually works. Except if there are things, for example, every day, my husband and I have what we call Red Thread Cafe or just cafe. And this is an hour to hour and a half that we spend in creative time with our muse with poetry and music and conversation and visioning and dreaming. And that time is where that self gets developed, taking that time for myself. So I get such pleasure from cafe. For example, I may teach the concept of cafe. Mm -hmm. I may teach concepts about my experience of what's working for me. Like I write or paint every single day and have for... I don't know, 20 years or something. Sure. So I may share that practice, but I never say like, here's what I'm doing. You should do it too, because now you can have what I have. Like, I don't do any of that stuff. Right. And yeah, and you don't, and from the outside looking in, you've never, you've never come across that way. It's just check this out. Yeah. Or this is cool. This is what we're doing over here. Or this is happening over here. Or wow. and, And I'll sometimes be like, man, where does she get the energy to pull all this off? Like, holy cow, you know? Okay. So I can just pull this one piece over here and say, that's, you know, that's super sweet. I'm going to, I'm going to look over at this for a minute or, or what's drawing me in. And and that's one of the things that I love about you and your work is that you're like, okay, like here's this buffet of Shiloh. These are the things that are going on. Last time I talked to you, you're like, yeah, we just opened a wine bar. I'm like, what? You know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, today we launched our a global cool. gallery jury show and yeah. You know, it's um it's big and it's hard to imagine that it's all possible. And I think it's, you know, we all have different kinds of spiritual gifts and I feel like one of my spiritual gifts is is how I'm living this life, like that I am a manifester at that level, but that it's something that isn't coming from some desire. Like I have an idea and then I try to match my energy to it. It's an energy that's moving through me as devotion. And I ask, what is this and where does it go? And where does it want to be expressed? And how does it benefit others? And how do I benefit and receive pleasure out of it? It's really coming through and it doesn't stop. It just moves through me to others. And so like a life force. And I will say, you know, I have an, a really amazing amount of energy. And so that's, again, why I'm really cautious in my work with others of like, when I'm working with trauma or depression, I never, I'm like, you should just try this. Cause I know that I have an uncommon capacity to make. And I also know that through making that energy is amplified. Sure. So the more that I make, the more clear I get, the more power I get, the missing energy happens. And it's like endorphins, you know, sure. that feeling of, of pleasure, or the flight without the fight, like that go forward momentum is like moving through me and creativity is the thing which amplifies and makes that possible in an optimal com- condition biochemically, right? Yeah. And then, and then you're taking that and then offering, you know, this intentional creativity and collaboration, just su- completely supporting the feminine experience. Absolutely. I mean, the image of the feminine 
as we well know, has been so co-opted and used in a way inconsistent with what we know to be true. And so for each one of us, especially for women, to re-image, reimagine their feminine archetype is a powerful rites of passage because there's something that happens where you stop looking, you fall in love with your own image and your own archetype. So instead of looking out and just comparing to others, you kind of really get into your own space mm-hmm. and amplify your archetypal framework. And it's interesting how people talk about, oh, ego this or ego that. And I'm like, you know, I spend most of my time trying to get women to enlarge the context of their healthy egoic space. Right. There is a difference between a healthy egoic space and an out of control ego. There's a big difference. Yeah. And I have hardly ever met a woman who had that. And so it's like, we mostly need to make ourselves come into the fullness. And yeah, maybe that amplifies a little bit larger than life for a while, but we'll naturally come back in mm-hmm. if, if we practice and if our you know goals are in the right place. Not goals, but ideals. Sure. Tell us about your, your vision for 2020, your current offerings that you might want to make uh, our circle aware of. And then of course, how our re- readers and listeners can contact you. Mm, thank you. You can find out about me at shilosophia.com and you can find out about our collective project called Musea at musea.org. So that's M-U-S-E-A dot O-R-G. And so there's me and then there's my projects. (laughs) And the, the very idea of Musea is the word is a multiple of museums. And so it means many hands, many voices, many lands, this idea that there are many of us who are creating and who are connected. My beautiful husband, Jonathan, who is a poet and a winemaker, and I founded this overarching brand of Musea to be a shelter for all of my different projects. We are uh, launching our first global online art show, and we have founded different locations. So we have a center for Intentional Creativity in Sonoma, but we also have community members who have Musea locations. So we're working on that right now so that there are many places people can go to study. We also have three different certification programs in Intentional Creativity for people who want to learn and bring this gift to their clients. And so we're working with those who are already graduates to teach with each other, to collaborate, and also to host trainings at their locations and studios. So it's very much about the empowerment of the community Mm -hmm. this year. And our focus is towards our membership base and membership is is free, but then you can go all the way to owner over a period of years. So it's a path from free membership all the way to ownership. Um, It's very exciting. I'm very motivated around it. We just launched our own app as well for our members. So there's lots of beautiful things unfolding. And of course, we did open a wine bar in Tiburon called Musette. That's art and wine and snacks. And then uh, personally, though, I have a whole other life. Can you imagine? <laughs> I, have <a> whole, <laughs> I have a whole other life where I have written um, three fiction novels that are all part of the same lineage that span over 100 years, tracking one particular chosen family. and. We're in the process of editing those books right now. It's mythic. It's about the earth and the animal 
queendom. It's about the elements. It's about reestablishing communication with the mythic. It's sensual. It's well, it so sounds right things. up my alley. I can't wait oh to read. Oh my gosh, I'm in love with with the creation of these these books, which I've been working on for about ten years. Actually, they're being edited right now, and then all the paintings I'm doing personally are characters in the books, and that's what I hope to spend the rest of my life on is illustrating my own books. And then I also have a book of poetry coming out called Cosmic Albums. Sweetness, <laughs> so much sweetness, and just brings me right back to the to the beginning of our conversation and collaborative dreaming. <laughs> exactly. We are in it together. <laughs> oh, what a pleasure. Such a pleasure to share this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for agreeing to come and join me on This Sacred Life and sharing all of your gifts and conversation. You are so awesome. Oh, thank you so much. So are you, Shannon. So are all of you out there. So if you feel inspired. I just encourage you to pick up a pen and paper, ask an impossible question and just start moving the pen without even trying to do design. Just move the pen and listen. Call it metacognitive drawing. So just give it a try after you're finished listening, just a pen and paper with a question and draw as you listen. Mm, Fantastic. That was Shiloh Sophia. You're welcome to visit Shiloh to learn more about her creative offerings at shilohsophia.com as well as at musea.org. Thanks for listening to This Sacred Life. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with a friend or subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen in. And be sure to visit transformationgoddess.com to get a free album of guided relaxations for women who do too much.